What's going on, Fight Fans? Scott Fontana here with Dan Urban. And when our powers combine, we are the Couchside Judges. We've got a terrific guest for today's installment as Bloody Elbow contributor Chris Reaney joins us to talk about his cool new book featuring his MMA art along with essays on a few notable fighters from 2019. I've been a big admirer of Chris's work for years, so we're thrilled to have him. And of course, there's no rest for the MMA world as Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley are finally set to go at it in Saturday's action from UFC Apex. It's a pretty stacked car with plenty of noteworthy names set to fight, including Donald Cowboy Cerrone, Mackenzie Dern, and Mr. 10-7 himself, Kamzat Shemaev. It's a great lead-in to next week's UFC 253 pay-per-view card, so we'll break down the action later in the show. So Dan, let's get right to it, as we often do, and welcome Chris Reaney to the show. For the uninitiated, Chris is an artist whose work often depicts visuals we see in the latest fights. On Mondays and Wednesdays, he publishes the MMA Squared cartoons featured on Bloody Elbow. And you can now pick up his new book, The Fine Art of Violence, Volume 1, which I mentioned features his art and some essays. Congratulations on the book, Chris. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. So, you know... Dan and I, of course, got the chance to look it over. You sent over the book and, and we looked it over. Uh, great concept, first off. I, I really like the idea for this in, in general, you know, just to, to do something totally unique in the MMA space. Uh, you know, where'd the idea come from? Uh, I've always been um, a fan of, uh, like, I'm a fine artist and I eventually found my way to MMA kind of later in life than I guess most uh, fans, in, like my early 30s. And okay. Um, I always felt like, man, this this sport is suffers from a lack of a season, you know, because I grew up as a baseball fan, and that's a way of uh, kind of uh, quantifying and cataloging like what happened, and then there's like this reset where you kind of like get to start with a fresh slate. And M MMA, like, there's this uh, thing where it's the the short, you know, the problem that people have with the short term memory of fans, like you forget, like you get kind of steamrolled both the fighters and the fans, like you, you can't even keep up with everything. And I thought it would be really cool to start on January 1st and just draw everything I could that I thought mattered and then stop on December 31st and like, look at what you have. And it turned into this book that I, I'm so excited by that. I feel like this could be an annual, was, well, for the time being, this is an annual project uh, where I feel like it, it helps people say, wow, this this is special, this, this happened. And you see the story of certain people when you put like a start and an end between things. I like that description. I like that. And, and I imagine you're probably a Mets fan. You're talking about baseball because you're in Queens, right? That's right. I am. <laughs> I grew up, <laughs> I learned how to suffer. <laughs> so uh, Chris, we always like to ask our guests how they got into the sport. So can you take us back to your uh, earliest experiences with the sport? Sure. I, uh, I, I guess I was uh trying to transition they're trying to grow up you know i've been in a band for a long many years and uh i got into this relationship and i was like oh, i'm like 30 31 years old or something like that i was like i gotta you know i gotta i gotta kind of start shaping up or something or do something else different with my life and i i got an office job and it was a terrible idea it was a terrible <laughs> terrible experience but I, I it was one of these jobs where there's like you're supposed to be there for 40 hours a week and there's like you know, 10 to 15 hours a week worth of work to do because I was working for a struggling hospital. So I just watched YouTube all day long, you know, <laughs> and I just got hooked on fight compilation videos. And I, I always like to think it's because I was in the most passive, 
you know, an accounting department, like the most passive department, you know, uh, doing nothing, talking to no one. I was like in a, in a windowless office with a cubicle. And so like you had to see the most outrageous, violent thing possible to feel alive. <laughs> Just to wake up. Yeah, totally. So I got hooked on uh, watching these fight compilations. And then eventually, you know, it wasn't enough. Like I had to start learning. I had to start learning like who won, who was that guy? Who was that person? Why what, did that what, When about was this happening? I think I got the job in 2008. Okay. So, um, you know, pretty soon after that, you know, mid I, I got the job right around the time of the, the Great Recession. Uh, yes. I remember that was part of why I was there for so long. I was like, oh, man, this is rough out there. I better just oh, yeah. mm. you know, keep my head down and just do this. And I always remember that. I think it was uh, Mirko Krokop versus Bob Sapp where <laughs> I was like, okay, why did that little guy beat that big guy? Not not even realizing <laughs> that Krokop is a heavyweight, you know, not even sure. realizing. How well, everyone is. looks a little smaller compared to Bob Sapp. Yeah. So – that was the one where I'm like, all right, it's not enough. It's not satisfying anymore to watch this because I obviously one person know, is capable of so much more than this other guy. And then I just started watching old fights and reading about the history of the styles, you know, like, and which is, is daunting when you're like, oh, he's a shoot fighter. I'm like, the hell is shoot mean? You know, you know, <laughs> I really had to start from the bottom. And this is, where I think I took a atypical turn, I could I didn't really watch any contemporary UFC or Strike Force or uh, I'm trying to think who else was around then. I think IFL maybe maybe I think IFL that was like was the, I think IFL like either just ended or was about to die. Right, and WEC I didn't watch any of them because I real I hit this point where I didn't understand the complexity of what they were doing. And I just found it so frustrating. And I just watched old fights for two years. Okay. And I, I didn't start watching like up to date UFC events till um, Rashad versus Rampage. Oh, you know, okay. Which I think was I think that was 2010. A lot of people watched that. That was a big fight. Yeah, it was. And it was that was just happenstance. I still remember when uh, George St Pierre was going to fight uh, Dan Hardy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like on the like Reddit MMA and like I think MMA Linker. That was the one I used to go to a lot. And I was, and everyone was like trashing the fight, trashing it. Like he's gonna run through this guy. Hardy's got no ground game. And I remember being like, I guess I won't watch it. No one says anything about it. <laughs> we were actually there live yeah. for that one. We were, were separately. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, here's a funny thing. That weekend, you know, I, I go online. I'm like, all right. So this guy George St. Pierre. Everybody says he's great. Uh, what is great? Now, like Matthews trilogy. I'm like, all right. So I always know in my mind, oh yeah, when he fought Dan Hardy, I totally was like, I guess I still won't watch contemporary <laughs> stuff, but I I'd go online and try and find. Uh, so I watched the Matthews trilogy the the weekend that he fought Dan Hardy. Okay. <laughs> I have a like, you know, like early on when you become a fan of stuff, these very integral moments kind of like stick in your head forever, and then you know you become like a daily fan and like everything washes over you yeah no i i can relate to that too because i actually got into the sport roughly around the same time period although i dove right in obviously to ufc and that kind of thing mm -hmm. yours of course was pretty atypical yeah yeah that's all right i you just got to be who you are right <laughs> hey you know what you're an artist right that's that's kind of uh pretty you know you go to your own beat uh mm -hmm. i can you know speaking of obviously your art of course you know where does uh where does your love of art kind of come from? You know, I've got, 
I've got a five-year-old, uh, as as you know, uh, and he spends all day just obsessively drawing fire trucks and construction oh, nice. trucks. It's what he, it's like the only thing he ever wants to draw. Uh, and building with Legos, of course. Uh, which, oh, and, you know, as you know too. Yeah. Uh, when when did you kind of catch the bug that you began to believe that you could, you know, really do something like this professionally, like drawing and that kind of thing? Uh, it was a real long struggle, actually. I was uh, um, discouraged at every step of the way. You know, I imagine from, that's common. <laughs> you know, that's a hard one. It's a hard one to square. You know, um, but it it was one of those things that I don't know. I've been saying I'm going to be an artist since I'm five. You know, and you know, that's, and honestly, look, I do it. A it's, it's the, it's what I'm best at, you know, it's where I feel like, um, I'm, I'm not like some sort of technical master, but I am somebody who sees the world a certain way that other people don't. And that is, you know, I, and I use art as like a, as a way to communicate like a nonverbal form of communication. And I, you know, growing up, man, I, I had a, I had a very nice life, but I had a very difficult um, way of integrating with people because I did not have a lot of uh, academic success or sports success. And I felt like, you know, where I grew up, those were the ways that you established yourself, you know, as a young man. And it was hard for me, like, to feel like, but the stuff I'm really good at, everyone's like, hey, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up, you know, but the <laughs> things I wasn't good at, they're like, you really got to focus on that. I'm like, I suck at this stuff. You know? <laughs> I imagine that's very common among artists. I'm not an artist myself, and I don't know too many. I'm sure you know more, but that, that sounds like a pretty common path, just guessing. Yeah, yeah, it is, I think. I, I, I think maybe uh, it's it for, you know, it's a funny thing how, like, you know, you never think about, like, being an artist of being, like, you something you have to be tough to do but in a way you have to mentally be like all right i'm gonna do this anyway like that's kind of a and you know it was hard for me like i said i was an accountant i was a bookkeeper i you know had to figure out ways to make a living because i really don't enjoy doing commercial art i like doing you know um i like doing my own thing and it sucks I, the fun I, out of it when you got to do it for for like that right yeah, well, you know, you go to college and you meet a lot of people who are like a couple of years older than you. And like one of the, the oldest tropes is like, yeah, I got a commercial art job and then I go home and I'm too tired to do my art. I'm like, all right, I ain't doing that. I'd rather get a job and be angry and use that anger to, to do my thing. And that was, you know, it works for some people. It worked for me. Good for you. Oh, apologies for the oh, timestamp, the swearing. Nah, we're we're all cut good. That. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, getting back to the book, Chris, you got a few essays yes. in there from uh, Josh mm -hmm. Rosenblatt, you know, in the fine art mm -hmm. of violence, as well as your illustrations. What was behind the decision to make it more of a book of, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm muffing this. What was behind the decision <laughs> to make it more than a book of just your art? Well, there's a lot of, I, because I come from a fine art background, I'm accustomed to there being like, like an essay's worth of stuff behind a single piece. And certain times I really put a lot of thought into a particular pose and a certain choices. Uh, you may have seen that in the opening of the book, the Paige Van Zamp versus Rachel Ostovich, you yes. know, uh, I felt like what I drew, that's not going to come across just by looking at it. And I think that a viewer could look at it, be like, interesting. And then they could read like to, you would really, that would benefit from some context because that was a very, a fight that was of the moment. It mattered who the other fighters were on the card. It mattered what the buildup was like. It mattered what, how the, the women were portrayed 
and how they're, you know, the, 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 the euphemism of marketability, they really both benefit and suffer from it. And I felt like the choices that I made to not show their faces were an integral part of the artwork itself. And uh, that's why I did, you know, that's why I, I want to communicate with people. I want people to think about the sport differently. I want them to think that there are more profound um, stories that go on beyond violence. Um, and that's a, that's a great one to, and also there are people, you know, Masvidal and Diaz, that's another one where mm-hmm. they feature prominently in the book visually. And, you know, they're dynamic people. They're, they're super cool. They're amazing fighters to watch, but they carved their own path a throughout their careers and B that year, that was the year that they both, I mean, when you think about the people who have headlined Madison Square Garden, it's a short list. You know, it's Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, George and those guys, George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping, like these like luminaries. And then these guys who did it like through grit, through a completely different path. And they're on such a short list. And I needed to, I needed to write more about why they matter. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going to make this book something you could pick up 10 years from now and have a far more profound understanding of what was going on back then and still be able to look at it and be like, oh, wow, this is this is something I care about. I I read uh, books about baseball in the 20s when I was a young man, and I love those stories. Those things stick in my head forever. Those uh, And I feel like MMA has that, but you sometimes have to put something that, you know, have you ever heard the term the medium is the message? No, I'm not familiar. Okay. It's number one, everyone listening should Google that. It's a, <laughs> it's a very profound uh, concept. But if you want somebody to think something is important, maybe don't put it in a tweet, put it in a book. It's you're conveying how important something is with its own presentation. I'm following this. Yeah. I'm better yet, like uh, if you write the great American novel on a bar napkin. <laughs> Not everyone's going to read it. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally get you now. Like the, now that you've got it, that, that's actually, I like that. I actually, the medium is the message. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. You know, actually going back uh, to last year, uh, you know, which is obviously when this book takes place, I believe that it was last year that you and I had met in person. Uh, you yes. were, it was the Bellator card, right. In, in New York mm-hmm. city. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was, I remember I was sitting behind you and I was just so impressed by how quickly you were able to sketch out moments from a fight and just turn it over like that. Like, cause you're not, it's not like you're sitting there and staring at, you know, a model or running a replay on loop. You watched it in the moment and then you were able to translate it so quickly into, you know, a, an obviously understandable moment from that fight. Maybe this is a hard question uh, or could be an even a very simple question to answer, but how do you create these things so quickly? <laughs> um, maybe this is like that thing that like, this is what makes you an artist. I, I don't know. But for me, you know, I, I have a certain type of memory where it is quite good, but definitely there are moments in life where you're like, boom, oh, cool. Like I can be aware in the moment. Like, oh, that's going to stick with me forever. Oh, I'm going to remember that forever. And I think it, in a way is like a muscle that you're like, Oh, okay. If you see something, get it down on paper. Like it's almost like taking like two different skills. Like, can you see something and process it? 
Does it make an Im- impact on you? And then do you have like, you know, a rudimentary level of like artistic skill where you're like, get it down on paper, make people understand what it is. And then on top of that, when I went to art school, we do would do life drawing classes, like you said, with the nude model. And I found that my best work, um, stuff that I would look back on now, like 20, 25 years ago, um, is the poses that were only two to five minutes long. Somehow I was able to, within those constraints, I made better work. And I, it took a long time for me to realize like, oh, this skill, this like cool thing about art school and painting that I liked then, like I should really apply this to drawing MMA fights. And it's kind of hilarious how long it takes to put <laughs> ideas together, you know? That is wild. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like that this is like, because I'm not a big art guy. So I'm, you know, just even listening to you talk, and I don't mean like a big, big art guy as in not a fan of it. I'm just, I'm not I'm as understood, familiar yeah. with that world. Yeah. I, I loved art as a kid. I took, uh, I took art classes for fun uh, mm-hmm. outside of school. Uh, but I was never, I, I never had any talent for it. I just enjoyed it. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting to hear you kind of talk about these things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What kind of medium did you use? So I liked clay. I liked working with clay actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I love sculpture. Fun. I love yeah, doing yeah. that stuff. You know, fire it up yeah. in the kiln and you come mm-hmm. back the next day or uh, the next class and you paint it. That, that was, that was my stuff. I still have oh, actually yeah. just put it in the attic. I just found it at my parents <laughs> and threw it in my attic. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. I understand. Totally. <laughs> so Chris, we know you got volume two in the works right now. Uh, when, mm-hmm. Volume one focuses mostly on 2019, all the fights and the fighters from that, from that year. Any, mm-hmm. anything from this year that's going to be, featured any moments already in the works oh yes without a doubt um one thing that i learned from making uh the first volume number one i made too many i covered too many fights there are certain things that that bubbled up and fizzled and i was like oh okay yeah. and like you know like covering like johnny walker you're like oh this is gonna be hot this guy's just blazing people in like 30 seconds and then he just gets lit up by Corey anderson and you're like huh but that was a story right. in and of itself it was, it was. And, and fortunately, Josh was able to work the essay out and we were able to make it more about, I was able to make it more about the art technique and the history of animation and stuff. But so anyways, I felt like I lost a little bit of the theme of, in terms of significance. And what I'm planning on doing for volume two is being able to dedicate more space to fewer fights, uh, there are certain certain things that I wish I could have really sunk my teeth into, like uh, that I plan on this year. For example, Joanna versus Wiley Zhang, Zhang oh, yeah. Wiley. I mean, should I really just limit that to a single image? That would be an atrocity, you know. Uh, and such then, an amazing fight. Yeah, yeah, and then like the 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 absolute churn that has gone on in the lightweight division this year. I would. Like between Poirier, Hooker, Felder, Gaethje, Ferguson, like, oh my God, this is like, there's a real uh, story within itself. And like, even now, Poirier not getting the Ferguson fight. This is like a little bit of this stuff where I'm like, okay, that needs to breathe big time, you know, as opposed to, oh man, that was a badass knockout. I'm gonna get that, you know, which, which is fun from time to time. Like, I love in, in volume one that's out now at chrisreeny.com, <laughs> C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I, uh, the two 
Nico Price, uh, actually three Nico Price fights are in there. And they're all just, you know, from an artistic perspective, like I had a blast. I did uh, his knock. He adds a lot of color means. when he fights, yeah. doesn't he? He might get a fourth oh, fight in down. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, like it's funny. There are certain people that by virtue of fighting them, you, you might come in the book anyway. Like you fight Cerrone. Like Cerrone is just like a, just a living narrative for the sport mm-hmm. itself. You know, like yeah. you're going to you're going to follow that guy until he dies, you know. And I think about, so one thing that's cool about doing lesser known fighters is I feel like I can get a little more creative and a little more, um, um, what's the word like, well, for example, the one Nico Price knockout that I did, I did it in a super psychedelic way where he's like, it's like there's multiple limbs flailing all around mm. uh, after he slept Tim Means. That was, that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. knockouts of the year. And I feel like things like that get lost because they're not the biggest names. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and uh, you know, of course, not every fight is, you know, even not even every main event is big names. We have big names coming this weekend. But just this past weekend, it was Michelle Waterson and Angela Hill, two fighters who, you know, of course, we know them as as fight fans, but they're not the biggest stars. And of course, they delivered. But this was a fight that, you know, after the fight, everyone's kind of talking about the decision, whether where one way or another, you know, and our thing, of course, we're right. the couch side judges. We talk about judging. I don't know how much you get kind of caught up in that. Do you ever get caught up in kind of the who should have won or not? Or do you look at it from kind of a different perspective? You know, I had to, there are certain things you have to choose whether or not you're going to engage in. And because I draw the fights live, I have to remove myself from the decision-making because I have to acknowledge that like I'm looking down at the paper sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of like, all right. And, but the funny thing is for Hill Watterson, I didn't draw at all. I watched that fight. We had, oh, my, okay. I was, I, this is a funny thing. I usually don't draw main events because I am a fan mm-hmm. as yeah. well. I really do want to see these things. I really want to, you know, soak it in, you know, I, I, a long time ago, somebody wrote on like uh, Reddit, like you know what's one thing that makes you sad you know about fighting or whatever i was like and i know it was way too dark but i was like man i'm gonna die one day and i'm not gonna be able to see fights anymore i'm not gonna like there's whole generations and they're like like imagine people who like were into this and they passed away before john jones became john jones you know like i'm gonna miss the next john jones yeah i think about that often actually yeah well, right. you guys go to yeah. dark places, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all, it, my thing is, I always wow, I don't want to miss this fight. Please let me get through this fight, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or with, let me see what happens with the end of this baseball season. Mm-hmm, I just got to know. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, man. <laughs> but it's cool, you know. It's like you love it. You're you're in. I I'm glad that I still really love this. I know some uh, some other journalists they get a little jaded, and I don't blame them. I've definitely had like ups and downs about about uh i don't know what the word is like the relentlessness of it like that those things when you're like that happened i watched that fight you know that's a bad feeling but for the most part it's really uh still something i get super excited for you know Mm -hmm. that's awesome so listen uh chris uh before we let you go Mm -hmm. uh is there anything else you want to let our listeners know maybe how to pick up the book one more time or where we where they can follow you on social media thank you very much or the rest of your work of course Oh, yeah. Well, right now, uh, I publish on Monday and Wednesday. It's a satirical editorial cartoon called MMA Squared. It's at bloodyelbow.com. 
the book is available at chrisreeney.com and it's available as both a um, paper copy and as a digital download. And uh, it's we're almost sold out. That's the other thing. I am so excited. Um, I, I think I, more than half the copies have gone. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a second run. So um, you get it while you can. This is uh, every, every uh, copy is signed and numbered. And it's going to be a collector's item. This is going to be something that goes for a number of years. Oh, by the way, you can talk to me anytime at Twitter, at Rini MMA. That's at R-I-N-I-M-M-A. And let me tell you one last thing. The writers for Volume 2. I have a, an amazing collection of writers. Chuck Mindenhall, Julie Kedzie, Shaheen Alshadi, Fernanda Pratis, Eugene S. Robinson, and a returning Josh Rosenblatt, and also my good friend, Schwan Humes, who okay. uh, I would say, uh, if you want to know anything about women's MMA, that man has got his finger on the pulse. I'm a big fan of Fernanda, of, of Myth, of course, and, uh, and, and Shaheen. They're, they're wonderful. You know, not everybody else, of course, but these are, these are guys, and, and, and of course, uh, Fernanda, that I'm just a big fan of, too. So I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing what they're going to be like uh, in, in the next volume. I know. I'm very excited. Well, Chris, again, thank you very much for joining us and uh, we appreciate your time and best of luck with the release. Obviously, it's going really well, so good for you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time, guys. Fun interview, Scott. Uh, nice to learn. I have another fellow baseball fan uh, in the MMA world. And... Oh, I mean, there's plenty of them, but but you know, this one's a Mets fan, so yeah. he, he understands the struggle in a way you don't. You you glorified, oh, uh, we haven't won you, since you spoiled 09. Yankees fan. Haven't won since 09, but <laughs> his art is pretty cool i had a few favorites in the book and i ended up i had to go buy myself a hard copy did you okay support the cause right on right on and you know what actually the thing about speaking with him that i really liked was when he started comparing it to kind of the old baseball guides like you were saying you know kind of the the year wrap-ups and looking back and that kind of thing yeah because there is something missing about that with mma it really does kind of just go from one event to the next and you know we're always talking about who's the goat and who's who's the best in the world but like we don't contextualize that and crystallize it in, in you know kind of book form so right, yeah it's never ending it's a never ending season so i like that there's an attempt to do this i hope we see more of them and, and you know not to compete with chris of course but i do think it would be great if there was more of that kind of thing uh coming out of mma media and stuff yeah pretty awesome but let's look ahead now to the weekend's fights, you know, we talked a little bit about that, uh, even with Chris, but the main event here, Colby Covington against Tyron Woodley, welterweight fight that, I mean, a couple of years ago, this would have been a big money fight. And now it's just an ESPN plus headliner. It's, it's kind of, they, they, UFC really dropped the ball here. I think so. But I mean, this is kind of also Woodley's kind of last stand to say, Hey, I belong in the top five. It really is. I mean, I don't even know if he really does belong in the top five right now based on his recent performances. Yeah, and Colby Covington, that's a tough test. It is. I, as you know, uh, and maybe some people at home know, I am not a fan of Colby Covington's persona for about a billion reasons, which I don't have to get into right now. But I do respect what he brings to the table as a fighter. Uh, pressure wrestling, pressure striking, that's... I mean, there's a lot of fighters who are just going to bow to that. And as we've seen, uh, just not much of a finisher. Yeah, he's in your face the entire fight. And it 
to put on a pace like that is really impressive. It is, and he can do it over five rounds. I have no doubt that he'd be able to do that if given the opportunity this weekend against Woodley, who at this point has now lost 10 rounds in a row, and a few of them were 10 eights in there, like bonafide, no question, 10 eights. So he's been pretty terrible for about a year and a half. And this is kind of the worst matchup for him as far as yeah. what he's been losing to. So yeah, this, this isn't a good matchup for him. It's a terrible matchup. Yeah. The only thing he can do is say, I don't respect Covington striking here and I'm just going to throw. Right. But maybe Covington throws him on his back. He sure might. It may not even matter. You know, I, I find it really hard to pick against Covington here uh, as much as it kind of makes me gag, but it's just, you know, it's the reality. Like this is an easy matchup for him on paper in what we're talking about in 2020 with the the different points in their careers. Having said that, I'm curious how Covington responds after getting finished at the end of last year by Usman. You know, some people obviously argued whether the fight deserved to be stopped or not. Doesn't matter. He would have lost anyway, and he did break his jaw. So he came out of there with, uh, you know, he didn't exactly look like roses. If Tyron can land a big punch, I think that's his only shot. Oh, for sure. And I would say this. I actually think that landing the bomb is not something we should think is some sort of Hail Mary. I think he really could get it. He for sure could get it. It's just, will it, you know, do the damage that it has to do? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't I just don't know that he's even going to get the opportunity. I I'd feel really good if I was a betting man here. I would feel pretty good about wagering on a Covington decision because I just don't see a, a, a finish coming from Colby Covington. He's, it's been years since he stopped anybody. and He's never stopped anyone at this level. So. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think we're going to see another five rounds that Woodley loses. And I mean, maybe maybe he'll make it interesting in there. Maybe he will land that that one punch that gets Covington at least kind of on the defensive for for some of the round. And maybe maybe finally wins a round here. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going Covington decision. Yeah, it's it's the way to go. Uh, judges, of course, for this one, as as I expect, they'll be needed for this fight. We don't know who's been assigned to the main event, but I would feel pretty good about expecting either Sal D'Amato, Chris Lee, Derek Cleary, Eric Cologne, or maybe Junichiro Camillo. These are the guys we typically see in these uh, main event fights in Nevada. We've seen guys like Rick Winter who come in from out of town occasionally. We've seen him a few times lately. You know he's a dentist, Dan? I did not know he was a dentist. Yeah, so he also judges teeth. That's a... All right. I mean, it's he's in a good spot there. And, you know, fighters usually need a dentist. <laughs> that's true some I, don't some think, I hope we there. don't see anybody else lose a tooth like uh like anthony smith did earlier this year no yeah please no <laughs> unless it comes at the hand of a flying front kick like machida to couture oh god that was epic <laughs> but yeah we don't we don't know exact assignments but i imagine the judging will be as sound as it's been uh, i know everyone gave sal D'Amato some you know a lot of slack and and really all the judges uh some slack over the last event but i don't think it was very warranted especially for the main event uh it is what it is. People going to get on the judges as, you know, here and there it's going to happen. But uh, what about the rest of the fights? What do you want to see? I'm looking forward to Gerald Mearshart versus Kamzat Chimaev. Kamzat Chimaev. Uh, the Fight Island sensation is back. And he's on U.S. soil. <laughs> see how he does on the U.S. soil. This this might be his first fight on U.S. soil. I believe it is. I don't know that for a fact. I didn't I didn't check on that, but I, I'm I'm pretty confident that it is. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to impact this fight, but I will say this. Anyone who's completely writing off the ability for Gerald Mershart to win this fight is crazy. You can't do that. I don't know what the odds are sitting at in this fight right now, but if you see Mershart at anywhere in the you know plus 300 range, as I imagine you might be able to, 
gosh, <laughs> that looks pretty attractive for a better. You know what? You can't count Mearshart out. And if he uses the motivation of him being completely overlooked by everybody and he uses it in the right way, he could play spoiler here. Have you have you seen some of his, uh, his Twitter stuff? He's been posting a lot of pictures and a lot of memes and that kind of thing. So, yeah, he's yeah. you can tell this man is definitely amping up over the fact that he is a big, uh, not even underdog. He's basically an afterthought since they already have Chimaev booked to fight Demi and Maya. Yeah. on fight island they're, they're already looking ahead to that it's it's i'm also looking forward not, to not that quite one unprecedented too. but it's you don't see this very often no you definitely not not often there's a all. reason for it too yeah i mean i guess they so. see a lot in this guy so we'll see what happens maybe he gets another 10-7 but uh what fight are you looking forward to well before i say that i, I will say i do i would pick chimaev to win but yeah i i just i don't see it being quite the mismatch just yet especially this being at middleweight instead of welterweight where i think is his more natural competitive weight so that's another thing that shouldn't be discounted here so yeah. I, I think i think chamayev wins do you think he wins yeah i'm going chamayev by finish he's never been to decision rear Fair naked guess. choke all right well we'll see we'll see what we get but it's, yeah again back to your question for me it's definitely donald cerrone against nico price i love this fight i love everything about this fight these are the guys who are meant to fight each other for our entertainment forget about you know, the actual sporting element of it. Of course, these guys want to win. Of course, these guys want to be champions. But this is just fun. This is this is the action, the violence that we deserve as fans. And they're going to bring it. This is the fight where we see Donald Cerrone versus Donald Cerrone. Nico Price is the next Cerrone. His career has a similar trajectory. And he just comes and fights for, you know, for fun, basically. And puts on a great show for everybody. And I hear a lot of good things about Nico, too. You, you, you talk to a bunch of people fighters uh, officials things like that people love nico they, they think he's a great guy so whenever i hear something like that i'm always happier to to watch uh, a fighter and, and root for their success not that i'm rooting against cowboy because i love watching cowboy too uh had had a brief chat with his uh grandmother once she was very sweet uh, <laughs> grandma Cerrone, or i forget if that's her name but grandma, no, his grandmother is just so sweet so yeah i mean there's there's no way i'm gonna go into this with expectations i'm not making a pick as far as the winner, I just want to have fun and enjoy it. So, and, and I think honestly, everyone else should too. Are you making a pick? Yeah, there's going to be blood. The Jess <laughs> Bleed guy is going to love this fight. And we're done. Another episode of the Capside Judges in the Books. Thank you again to Chris Reaney for joining us. Sounds like he's really low on physical copies of his book, so don't wait too long to decide on a purchase. Dan and I are back Monday to recap the weekend's fights as usual. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana, and my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter at Dan Urban MMA. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thanks, as always, for your support, and enjoy the fights on Saturday night. Later, guys. Later, guys.